they're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Bilodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! yes. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another interview episode. We are going back to the great sport of bobsleigh today and we're speaking with Canadian Olympic bobsledder Sarah Villani. Now Sarah competed in Beijing in the two-woman bobsled and alongside Melissa Laholtz she finished in 12th place in that event and we are going to learn a little bit about her unique journey through the sport, uh, just how the last Olympics in Pyeongchang, she wasn't even involved in bobsled, and yet somehow she managed to go from that part to then competing in Beijing in bobsled. It's a great story. We always love learning through athletes' paths into it and uh, everything else that came from it. She nearly could have been an Olympian in other sports as well. So uh, plenty to learn here. We also learn about her uh, interesting food that she's never had in her life that is kind of her thing. This uh, one food item that always gets brought up that she's never tried in her life. So we learn a little bit about that. Uh, we also learn uh, a bit more about some experiences at the Olympics and pin trading and everything else in between. And we also learn that she doesn't really like things. Sarah just doesn't like stuff. You'll find out what I'm talking about when you listen to this interview. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Canadian Olympic bobsledder Sarah Villani. <laughs> So excited to be able to welcome our next guest here to Off the Podium. Recently competed in the Beijing Olympics in the two-man, two-woman bobsled. I feel like we need to be politically correct here. Uh, it was her first Olympics, and it's a very interesting story here to learn about the journey that took her to those games and everything else in between. It's a pleasure to welcome Off the Podium, Sarah Valani. Sarah, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me and asking to chit chat. Well, we are here to chat. We're here to learn everything about it because I, I always love learning about people's paths into their sports and, and journeys and everything along those lines. And yours is unique. It's interesting. Um, you went to the RBC training ground essentially uh, and did quite well. And then your journey started from there. We've actually spoken to a few athletes on the show before who have been involved in the RBC training ground, but maybe just a bit of a, a refresher for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with this. Give us a bit of an inkling about what this is and how that ends up turning you into a bobsled athlete. Yeah, um, I always describe the RBC training ground as kind of like an NFL or an NHL combine where basically your skills are put to the test. So they want to see you like sprint, um, they want to see you like do a broad jump. They want to see some strength aspects. Um, so it's just general testing of your abilities. Um, and then from that different sports will recruit the athlete, um, because they might see something in the testing where they're like, we think that that's a good fit for our program, our sport. Um, so I got recruited to a couple different sports. Um, and I got to try all of them, which was like super wonderful and like super cool. Like, 
Um, I got to try cycling. Uh, I got to try rowing. So I went out on the water, got to try rowing, fell into the water. Um, <laughs> and then I also got to try rugby, which is like, it's not something that my high school had. So like, it was really fun to like hit the pad and like, see what that was like. Um, and yeah, even with cycling, like going on the velodrome and like going on a bike that doesn't have brakes. And like, I don't think a lot of people realize that, that those bikes, like there's no way to stop and you're going, you're, you're whipping around those in that oval, like pretty fast. So, um, yeah, there's no stopping. Um, and then the fourth sport was bobsleigh. Um, and so I got the opportunity to go down to Calgary in 2018 and try bobsleigh. Um, but yeah, that's essentially RBC training ground. You, you, it's a moment for you to go show off your abilities and then hopefully some sports, uh, want to attract or like want to talk to you and recruit you. And you'd come from a athletics background, hadn't you? So this was sort of yep. what you had grown up doing. So, I mean, before you decided to try your hand at the RBC training ground, where were you at on your athletics career and kind of what was it that made you decide to do the training ground and give that a go? Yeah. So before I got into like athletics track and field, I actually did gymnastics and I'm like around 5'10", 5'11". Clearly that wasn't working out for me. Um, <laughs> although gymnastics, like I absolutely love gymnastics. Like it's really like my first sport love kind of thing. Um, it created such a wonderful foundation for me to continue on. Um, so I was at like, you know, the old age of like 12 years old, 13. And Veteran I realized like, I, I know just like, so like over the hill, we got to take you to the glue factory. Um, but I, I realized kind of quickly as I kept towering over my friends and teammates, I was like, I'm not going to go anywhere with this sport, but I still love doing sports. Like I want to be active. I still want to do sports. And thankfully, like through high school, I found track and field and I really, really liked that. And in grade nine, I ended up doing really well in our like high school track and field competition. So I was like, I want to transition into that. Um, and so I started, I, I discovered the heptathlon and I loved, I absolutely loved doing the heptathlon. I actually got the opportunity to represent Canada at the junior Pan Am games in 2015. Um, and so that was also a really valuable experience for me to kind of realize like, um, sometimes like your like big fish, little, little pond or like big fish, um, little fish, big pond kind of thing. Um, so it was a really great perspective and learning experience. Um, and then as I got older, um, and into university, I did represent Western university in the pentathlon and, um, I, I had some success there and I really, I had a lot of fun, but then the injuries started happening and um, I'll be honest, a little bit of body image issues where I found that I was quite um, larger than a lot of the other girls. It's not that I didn't have any coaches or anyone making comments to me. I just felt like from myself, I was like, you know, I'm built more like a thrower. I'm like solid and like strong, like a thrower. And, um, so then, um, the final straw was like a stress fracture basically. And I was like, I'm going to switch to javelin. And then I was going through and I was like, I don't know. I, um, I was trying to make some decisions of like where I would want to continue with my sporting career after university. And I was debating actually moving to a different country. And I was like, I don't know, like, cause there's so many unknowns with that. And then I signed up for RBC training ground and that's when, the doors of opportunity for different sports were open for me because I didn't think I was kind of very like, I got to stay in track and field. I got to do, I got to pick javelin. I, I guess I'll pick javelin. And then these doors opened for me and I was like, well, 
well, like I see potential in doing bobsleigh. Um, and so then I ultimately switched. So when you say you were planning on moving to another country, was that with the prospect of competing for them? So like you wanted to maybe like come to Australia and compete, uh, you know, in Javelin or something for Australia. Was that sort of what you were thinking at that point? No, no, I was actually um, like specifically at the time, it has changed a little bit, but at the time that I was debating, it was very difficult to find Javelin specific coaches. um, And a lot of them are like in the States or they're in Europe. So I was debating like um, there's, uh, we have a really top uh, javelin thrower in Canada, Liz Gleedle. She for a while was actually training in Germany. Um, I think even sporadically through the last few years, I think sometimes she goes to Germany. Um, so I was actually debating like um, going to Germany because even there's a lot of top javelin throwers um, like Johannes Vetter, Thomas Roller. Um, yeah, there's top, top javelin throwers who come out of Germany. So I was like, well, like I was kind of toying with that idea, um, whether I was actually going to follow through on that, that was another story, but, um, yeah, I, then ultimately RBC kind of just changed my thinking and yeah, different opportunities came up. I just, I just was making sure this isn't just a Canadian bobsled thing. Let's just go and compete for another country. So I'm just, <laughs> not, not touching that one yet there, <laughs> Sarah. But it's, I mean, it's one thing I find fascinating about sort of you're saying what you're there about track and field is that you took up heptathlon. Um, I'm a big fan of any sport that involves multiple disciplines. I love modern pentathlon. I love Nordic combined. Same, you know, yeah. I think these are just great sports, which I always have to ask, what is it then about an event like the heptathlon that draws it to you? Can you just not make your mind up? Yeah. You're just like, oh, I love all the events. I'm going to combine them. Or do you just really like that challenge of basically having so many different disciplines to push yourself towards? Yeah, I so I was attracted to the heptathlon because I loved the idea of being good at like multiple different things. Um, you know, that whole like jack of all trades, but hopefully, hopefully a master of something. Um, but um, I love the idea of being good at everything. And um, I do like the challenge of like trying to be better in something. And I also found that the heptathlon was a really great way to kind of section things off so like maybe if high jump isn't going super well like you know you're starting to get really frustrated with that javelin is actually going really well and my sprints are going really well so there are positives that we're working on and then maybe high jump starts to get a little bit better and then it's like nice but it's like okay hurdles i'm getting really frustrated in hurdles now and so there's things to be able to take away and like not get stuck in the negative and stuck in that rut of like this is not working out Um, there's still positives that you can take away from. Um, but yeah, ultimately I love, I think the heptathlon, even the deck, it's like, that is true athleticism. Like you are showing off, like just how athletic you are, you are good at everything. And, um, so I loved the idea of that. Um, and maybe that also comes from gymnastics where like you are required to do four different events. And so you, you have to show your skill sets in various ways. Um, and even like there was a, I was a horseback rider for a small stint and I wanted to do eventing because I wanted to do the three different events and like, um, but I fell off the horse a couple of times and I was like, you know what, maybe, the, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> like, maybe I falling off boats, this. falling off horses. I mean, have you fallen know, out of the bobsled yet? <laughs> 
I haven't yet. I haven't fallen out of a bobsled yet. So I haven't been kicked out. Uh, usually Just, with yeah. that situation, the bobsled's actually like, get out of here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which it's, I mean, you obviously, you had a, you mentioned about going to the Junior Pan Ams, but you're obviously very successful too. Canadian Junior Champion, you were six in those Junior Pan Ams. So was this something that before the injuries were hitting you that this was the goal to go to an Olympics in heptathlon? Yeah. That's what kind of what you were focused on. Yeah. So when I was little, when I was a gymnast, because I would, I always tell people I was a really bad gymnast. Like I was good despite my height, like despite being taller than both my coaches, all this stuff. And like, I enjoyed it. It's like, I wasn't, you know, I did pretty well in my very first year of competitive gymnastics and like decently well in like my last year of gymnastics. But there were, there was a solid chunk of time where, you know, bottom three at provincial level competitions was the norm for me. It's like, that's just where I, I was. And so I took that as like, well, I'm not a good athlete. And so I remember when I was like, maybe around nine years old, 10 years old, my coach at the, my gymnastics coach at the time explained to me what the Olympics were. And I literally said to him, that sounds scary because like the idea of like competing for the country and in front of thousands of people, I was like, oh my gosh, that is not for me. And it was like almost confirmed because of these play, these poorer placements. I was like, well, like I'm not meant like, that's just not in the cards for me. I'm not going to be an international athlete, but in actuality, it was just, I was doing the wrong sport for my body. Um, mm. And then, so the Olympic dream came. And when, when I won the heptathlon for junior uh, nationals and then qualified for a team Canada team, I then was kind of like, oh, maybe I can go to the Olympics. And that's when like, again, my coach at the time was encouraging me. And she's like, yeah, like this is a, this is a possibility for you. Like you can dream that big. You can go for that. That is a great goal for you. Um, but then the injury started to set into place. And then obviously like self-doubt came in and I was like, well, like javelin, javelin is going to take me to the Olympics. And again, I was like, there were, you know, you can ask certain people and they would say like, I would have made, maybe they would say like, you know, whispers of like, yeah, like she could have made it to the Olympics for javelin, whatever. Um, but ultimately I found a path and, um, it obviously ended up working out and yeah, I, uh, I didn't think the Olympic dream was going to be a thing for me until I think I was about seven, 18, 17, 18, basically. That's when I, I came. Still, I always love hearing though that moment where it's kind of you have the challenges and then you still kind of keep pushing towards it it makes me feel as a 35 year old that perhaps you know my dream is never going to be over until I eventually walk out there and represent Australia one day and <laughs> when podcasting is an Olympic event in like 2040 or something like that you never know stranger things have happened, well I know right? video game video gaming they're talking a lot about that so if you're into yeah. video gaming it's well it's actually it's interesting with that because I know they were pushing for that for Paris, but it's just at least at the time of recording this, they just formed the um official board for the Brisbane Olympics in twenty thirty two. And the two okay. sports they were talking about were cricket, very Australian, and e gaming. Yes. <laughs> so they're basically like esports and everything. Uh, and I was like, Wow, okay, maybe I need to work on the video gaming in ten years and um 
you, you never know. I, I got can, 10 years to do it. It's plenty of time, right? Plenty. I mean, you, you got to time. the Olympics basically in less than four from bobsled. So, I mean, you know, I just look for it's you exactly, for inspiration, yeah. Sarah, how that works. <laughs> but it's, uh, I find it fascinating, like, coming from that heptathlon background because we spoke with um, Chiara Rodinius sort of just before she went to Beijing and she comes from a heptathlon ba- background as well. So maybe this is something that um, a lot of heptathletes who are listening right now who maybe just aren't quite getting to the level they want to bobsled is an option so uh, yep. maybe this is the sport though know, that we need to really focus on for up-and-coming bobsledders in both Canada and Australia there are quite a number of athletes that if you like go down the list like internationally there are quite a few like men and women who have multi-event background like hep or deck kind of thing and um I've heard a few stories actually of uh sprinters where they were like I was just too fat so I decided to become a bobsledder and yeah, that's like, my excuse. Like they, uh. <laughs> but that's how they describe it. They're like, I was too fat to be a, wow. um, an actual hundred meter sprinter, but I was still super strong, super powerful, very fast. And so I discovered bobsleigh and it's like, yeah, that's actually perfect for you. It's like, you're big, strong and powerful. Come the bobsleigh. It's, it, is it a sport? where you actually grow up wanting to be a bobsledder? Because I feel it is a sport that everyone just gets recruited into doing. Like, I'd love to meet someone who, I mean, probably in Germany, I'm guessing, where, you know, that's I was going to say, dominated. I think it's, Germany, it's a German like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> because it I really is. Say, I, I feel, I feel we Germany, never meet yeah. someone on this show who's just no. like, I started at three and I wanted to be a bobsledder. <laughs> there are, like, there are a few stories. Like, yeah, I think probably Germany, just because it's more accessible. Um, like, they have three tracks, um, at their disposal. So I think for them, it is easier. It's more of a realistic thing to be like, yeah, like I'm 12 years old. I, I think I want to do bobsleigh. Um, and there's a story of like an American uh, pilot where his whole family has done bobsleigh. So, you know, he was starting to go to a bobsleigh track and like class it at like, I think three years old or five years old and started driving when he was super young, just because his family did bobsleigh. So that's how he got grandfathered in or into the sport. Um, but yeah, I think, um, bobsleigh finds you somehow, some way. And <laughs> There's a t-shirt opportunity, Sarah. You bobsleigh in. finds you. You could market that. that. That'd be a good t-shirt line. I should, I'd I wear should that. start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I that, should start that. Yeah. That works well. We got a side hustle going. Hey, you've got, I mean, you know, we've got to fundraise towards Milan. So, I mean, it kind of That's right. start early. That, that kind of works. Which, so the four sports then that sort of, they say like, okay, you know, Rowing, rugby, cycling, bobsled. Three of them obviously involve a lot nicer weather than bobsled does. Uh, but what it was it particularly then that took you over the line? Was it just you felt more suited to it? You felt more enjoyment out of it? Kind of what was it that you chose bobsled out of those four? So oddly enough, my very first experience in a bobsled, I actually experienced a bobsled. I crashed. We crashed. And I was a brakeman and, um, you know, granted, like looking back, we were only going like 80 kilometers an hour. Like we weren't going super fast, like lower start in Calgary for anyone who like knows Calgary bobsled. Um, so yeah, we crashed and I obviously fearful, like your very first time in a bobsled, you don't know what to expect. You've seen the movie cool runnings, but that only prepares you so much. (laughs) but we you know I, I experienced this crash and like I'm freaked out and um I am still able to finish the week like the next day or our next I think we had a, 
a day off or something, but the next day, the next opportunity, I should say, I got back in the bobsled. I finished the week and I went back home and I was like, mom, I'm going to do bobsled. And I wish I could say that there was like a specific reason, but I honestly just felt like a pull towards it. And I felt that um, it was something that I could be good at. I thought my stature fit it really well. Um, and my, I guess, background in track and field, like would really help me. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of was like, this is what I'm going to do. I got to go do bobsleigh. Um, yeah. And what's your mum's reaction to that? Like, oh, you could have chosen rowing, you could have chosen rugby, you could have chosen cycling, oh, you she, chose she that still, one. <laughs> she still wishes I did rowing. <laughs> she's like, why? Why not rowing? Like, even the other day she brought it up. She's like, are you sure you don't want to, like, row? I was like, no, no Mom. I, I don't want to puke in the, the buckets. Like, no. Even after I've been to the Olympics, you're still onto it, Mom? Like, come on. Yeah, I was like, like, Mom, I don't want to wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> no. Like, no, let's go backwards like, in a sport. Come on, rowers are always going backwards. Like, that's not a sport. What is that? Come on. It's going I, all the time. Oh, man. When I tried rowing, I was – it's it's a whole other world. Like, that sport is such a grind. But it's very, it's very cool because, like, the more you put in – at least I hope I'm not offending any rowers when I say this, but I feel like the more you put in, the more you see success. Like – it's like, it's just such like a grind sport. Um, but from the heptathlon, I had to run the 800 and that was my least favorite event because uh, it's just so <laughs> painful. And that's, that's what rowing is. It's just pain, yeah. like just lactic and it's just pain. It's, so, uh, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's one of those things when I go to the gym and one of my least favorite apparatus is the rowing machine. So <laughs> like I just, and the amount of rows I've had on this show and just, it's, it is a, it is a grind of a sport. Like it is definitely one it of is. those ones which, I admire any rower because to get to a point, say like the 1500 meter mark where you've got another 500 to go and you've got to somehow build yeah. up. It's just insane. Whereas rugby, you're throwing a ball, just get tackled a few times. That's fucking easy. Come on. Like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never actually played rugby. I had like the one opportunity. So I don't know. <laughs> Which it seems like such a discrepancy in sports though. Cause like, I mean, I'm thinking rowing and cycling, like you've got the lactic, you've got the endurance, you've kind of got that speed level of it there. And bobsled, you've got that athletic ability with the push start, like you've got to be fast speed. Whereas rugby, sure, there's got to be a bit of burst on the field, but that's, that's a team sport, for example, much more. And you've got ball usage and everything. It's kind of weird that that got lumped into those four sports as well. I think they just saw my size and stature and figured that I would be a great match. And like, I, I honestly, like, like having that experience of the exposure to rugby, I, um, I really enjoyed it. I loved hitting the pad, but I was like, I don't know if I could put my collarbone into someone else. Like, I, was like, I don't, don't want to get hit. And it's funny because one of the girls on the team, she used to do uh, rugby and um, she, she says that she remembers me from that day. Like I, she was doing her, her training with like her, the team and I was doing, I was with like the little group who was trying it, like the RBC crew. And she remembers that me throwing the ball and she was like, who is this girl? Like, that's so <laughs> embarrassing. And then I, I later got a chance to explain that I'd never, I've never really thrown a rugby ball. She's like, okay, that makes sense. Cause she's like, I was really worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> wow geez yeah, that's crazy i might know a few teams in australia that might be useful with that but um <laughs> that, that's another story was was there any part of it too because this was 2018 so obviously when you look at an olympic cycle for winter you're in a better cycle there because there's a lot longer whereas if you were going to choose one of the summer sports i don't know if you know there would have been that period where you would have 
being able to go to say Tokyo was any of that mentality in switching to bobsled because you felt like oh realistically I could make the next Olympics um no I wasn't actually thinking about a timeline in many sense um yeah I didn't factor that in at all um of course the Olympics was like in the back of my mind um but like bobsled is the type of thing where honestly if you told me like four years ago hey Sarah you're gonna go do bobsled I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been like, no, there's no way. Like I would never do that sport. Like that's for, that's for crazy people. Um, (laughs) and here I am. And so, yeah, it's like, uh, I, it was in the back of my mind that it was kind of like, well, we're going to try for this, but it wasn't like, okay, yes, I am mapping it out. Okay. The most, the quickest path is bobsleigh. I will get chosen. (laughs) So Yeah. That's totally me. I'd be doing that, by the way. Just, just say that. Which <laughs> just, map, just mean, getting the pin board out. Exactly. Just, just going all over that way with everything. Which, I mean, you obviously mentioned about being a break woman. Do you have sort of through everything that you go through with the RBC training ground, do then somebody say to you, you're going to be more suited to be the break woman? Or is there a period where you have to yourself decide, I'm going to be a break woman or I'm going to be a pilot? Yeah. So they, um, I think at least with our federation, I'm not sure if every federation does this, but uh, we like to give everyone at least a season, like a a year of being a break person, um, just to experience bobsled and see the ins and out of it, learn the sport, learn the sled, learn how to move the sled, flip the sled, um, start learning what it's like to feel the track. um, And uh, yeah, just learning the ins and out of being a brake person. Um, and then they kind of will say, well, do you want to pilot? So after my first year of Bob said, it was presented to me. Do you, would you like to pilot, like go to a piloting school? I turned it down because at the time I was like, no, I'm actually not interested. I don't, I don't have any interest in being a pilot. Um, I've now learned to, you know, never say never, uh, because you never know where life's going to take you. And, I ultimately did end up going to a piloting school uh, in March. So right after the Olympics, I went to Lake Placid and decided like, yep, put me in a monobob. I'm going to go learn how to drive bobsleds for the first time. Um, And so I'm really glad I got that experience because I kind of, I have a different perspective on piloting and um, just with my experiences being a brake woman, it's, uh, it's very interesting being in the front seat. And that was my very first time actually seeing what it was like to like actually see, like I've seen POVs, but like I've never yeah. actually seen a bobsled track. I've always had my head down. So it was, it was interesting. Like, back basically. You're not seeing the view. <laughs> you're not even staring at the back. You're literally staring at the slot, like watching the ice go by. Wow. <laughs> actually, I, cl- I close my eyes now, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not when yeah. you're piloting though. I uh, hope they're open at that point. Uh- <laughs> Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know the track so well. I can do this with my eyes closed. Here we go. Yeah, just whatever. <laughs> just to, turn three. Oh, this one, this one's easy. Which does that then? Does that open up the prospect that you're looking at, say, doing a monobob World Cup or, or looking towards becoming a, a pilot, or is it more of a case of I'm going to give this a go, see what I feel, and then I'll make that decision up down the line? Yeah, I uh, with um, monobob being a new event, um, the a lot of people don't realize that there's a weight limit in bobsleigh. There is a max weight. Uh, it's a max weighted sport, um, and the weight limit for monobob actually suits my stature very well. Um, so it is something that I am considering, just because it's like 
weight cutting is very hard on the body. Um, it's mentally very tough. It's hard on the body. And so, um, it would be nice to be in a situation where maybe I, I don't have to, or I can just kind of maintain, um, which I think that would be my situation. Um, but ultimately I have to decide if I want to pilot, uh, piloting has different roles and responsibilities. Um, you know, if you're a pilot, you're most likely going to do monobob and two woman. And now all of a sudden you're, uh, in charge of, uh, getting someone safely down the track, um, which is a big responsibility and something I would not take lightly. Um, and I don't think any pilot does take lightly because yeah, that, that break person is ultimately trusting you and, giving a lot of themselves to say, I'm willing to get in the back and, you know, do this run with you. So, uh, break people, you know, we, they get, they, they got to get a lot of respect because it's like, they, um, they get thrown around quite a little, quite a lot. And so, uh, yeah, we, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, just a different, just different responsibilities of being a pilot pilot. So, yeah. It is really interesting though, to kind of like, we've obviously talked to a, to a few sort of bobsledders on the show who when it comes to that switching between it because it is that that level which is unique about monobob to the to the two man two woman that you know you've got to do it both like i guess like it's sort of a pilot's not used to braking and a, and a, a brake person's not used to steering so it's kind of that different yeah. level of it which do you i mean i don't i'm not saying you ever forget to break when it comes to being the brake one that's your job in the set i hope you don't forget to break but like is it a case of it in the monobob the times you've tried it where it's like fuck i'm gonna break as well like it's so overwhelming i mean i'm a man i, I can't do two things at once like that's why there's no monobob for men i'm assuming but um it's like is that sort of something that gets confusing when you get to the end um not from what i experienced like i only was there for like 10 days kind of thing, like two weeks. Um, so, and also like, I, we, we weren't going fast enough that you like really have to like haul on the brakes. So, um, yeah, I, it was like, I think the last two, maybe three days I had the opportunity to go from the top. So we are getting a little bit faster, but it was March. So the weather's a bit warmer. So like the ice conditions are a bit softer. Um, so slower. And, uh, so yeah, it wasn't something that I experienced. Um, I also, I don't, I haven't heard of any stories of people like monobob pilots forgetting to break. Um, <laughs> I've heard, obviously I've heard of like where it's been difficult for them to break because maybe they're in Segolda and like the braking stretch is shorter and like all of a sudden, like you're going fast and like, you just, you can't stop it or you can't grip the ice. Sometimes, sometimes the ice is, uh, the braking stretch, it's too, like there's too much snow. And then, so the brakes won't grab into the ice and then suddenly it's like, you're, you're not stopping. Mm. Um, and so if it's a track that has a shorting, shorter braking stretch, it's a, it's tough. And yeah, there was, there was one of the world cups I was watching. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but I, I know that you, it seemed to be a, an area, maybe this is one of the tracks you're talking about that when you got Austria. to the end, what, yeah, probably because you kept going into like the, the fake Astro turf yeah. or whatever it was and everyone kept going off like, what's going on here? This yeah. is fun to watch. <laughs> oh, Austria. I think uh, Austria is supposed to be one of those tracks that it's like, oh, it's no stress. Like it's Austria. It's nice. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a great, like a very beginner friendly track because it's like, um, it's not as technical of a driving track. It's very push dominant. You have to have a great push. Um, you can't out drive. It's very, very difficult to out drive a poor start. Um, but you can obviously 
drive it away if you're like hitting walls and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the breaking stretch is horrible. And um, if you watch the four men, especially, I feel very bad for them because <laughs> you cross the line. There's so you cross the finish line. There's a point where you can break, and then there's a breaking corner that you can't break in because the likelihood of you tipping is very high. And unfortunately, in four men, um, just how men are built, like biologically, all a lot of their weight is in their upper body. So they all pop up in the four men because they've crossed the line. And so all the weight is up here. And if the, <laughs> the brakeman like pulls the brakes, they they tip over and like you feel so bad for them because like there's a compilation somewhere of people falling over isn't there oh i'm sure there is oh my gosh and um yeah so again sometimes it's really hard to break and you only have like a short amount of time to break and so luckily like they put they put rubber it's it's rubber that's there it doesn't wreck the runners thankfully but like it gets them really dirty and like there is a chance that something could get wrecked but it's like that breaking stretch is awful. Every break one is like, oh my gosh, Austria. Like you got to be like on it. Just, so, I, just, like, just so. I, I, I love this whole thing where it's kind of like, I'm sure this is what your mum's thinking. Like it's, it's bobsled dangerous. You're going so fast. You're going around corners, all yeah. this sort of stuff. And you rarely see crashes. The danger is breaking. The danger is at the end of the course when you're standing out of the sled. That's, <laughs> That's what we need to be worried like- about. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like your your stress should be like the minute during during the actual bobsled run, not the breaking stretch. Yeah, it should be the like slow part finish. is the safe like, part, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, yeah, we're breaking, whatever. But yeah, in Austria, they, uh, I don't know, they like to make our jobs difficult. And we often, what like a new person coming to Austria, what, what a brakeman will tell you is make sure you use your legs use your legs and then like you're like what do you mean and they're like make sure your tailbone your butt is right against the back and you haul and it's like okay wow jeez. there's definitely a a bit of a tutorial with austria when you're a brakeman i think i chose the right world cup to watch then um to get all that uh, entertainment going on the the period that i was obviously mentioning so 2018 getting a bobsled you first start competing in international races, uh, 2019, and then you make your World Cup debut in 2021. Um, you do okay as well. You, you get a fourth in a, in a World Cup with with Christine as well. So, I mean, what was that period like sort of when you, you're going from starting out to then going on the world stage, getting fourth in a World Cup, that lead up to that Olympics? I mean, obviously came very fast, but, like, I mean, how did you find – that period and to add on that did you then at some point go okay well maybe Beijing is a realistic opportunity for me all of a sudden yeah so when I first got into bobsleigh I was uh my first year I was put on the development circuit and I was doing like the NAC and like we did get an opportunity to go over to Europe and um honestly I I experienced four crashes in a row and um I was like I can't do this sport (laughs) I can't do it the Olympic dream is done I I can't do it um (laughs) And my, my confidence was shot um, and my, I'm very, very lucky that my coach um, is very, very supportive and he believed in me a lot. And he was like, you know, you have great potential. And so he worked with me that summer and he was like, let's just give it one more shot. Like you can do this. Like you're a lot stronger than you think. And he, he basically had to build up my confidence because my confidence was just at a zero. Like I would, like, he would ask me to squat, you know, I don't even know, like 110 kilos. And, you know, 110 kilos is on the bar and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) And he's like, yes, you can. Like, I'll stand there. I'll help you. And like, he really had to work with me to build my confidence because I was scared to do certain weights because I was just fearful. And, um, but over the summer, like we worked a lot and he helped me like 
with my fear and stuff like that. And we talked through things quite a lot. And um, I got like, I trained really hard and I did better in the ice house, which gave me a different opportunity and like put me on a sled with Christina Bruin. And, um, but COVID hit and I uh, like during that summer and that really, really like rocked, like rocked the world. Like, of course, as we've seen with the pandemic, um, but we, we actually missed the first um, half of the World Cups. Um, everyone else was competing in Europe while Canada decided to stay back. Um, and then Christine De Bruins, like normal break woman, she um, had an issue with basically getting stuck in the United States. Um, and so then I was basically told like, you're up, <laughs> it's time for you to time for you to show what you wow. got. And I was like, okay. Um, and it was quite, it's quite an honor, like to be able to, uh, compete with Christine. Like she, like obviously phenomenal bobslayer. Uh, she's, she works very, very hard. Um, she very like mature and professional. And so it was really nice, like, um, competing with her. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity because she was part of the, confidence builder and confidence booster that I needed that year where I was like, okay, like I can do this. And, um, you know, I, I am going to do this. And so, uh, yeah. So like for coming into the Olympic year, I trained very hard, long hours, you know, being an elite athlete, it's a 24 seven job. It really, it really is. Um, it's very different. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I put in a lot of hours and, yeah, I ultimately ended up working out. I went to the Olympics. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but I guess that's kind of how, yeah. So it was just, yeah, my first year obviously was pretty rocky and, um, but luckily it ended with, uh, something to show for, I guess. Which, what was that moment like then when it came to the selection? Because obviously with bobsled, it, it all comes down to qualifying sleds. And then yeah. I'm assuming for Canada, similar to Australia, then the Federation would choose who will be in those sleds. So did you, yeah. I mean, did you know only when they officially confirmed you or when the third sled got qualified? You thought, well, okay, I'm in with a pretty good shot now that there, or even if you qualified the one or the two, did you think you were kind of going to be within a, in a good shot? And when you got that notice we knew pretty early on that we were set for like three sleds um it, which is nice because like we didn't have to like stress about it you know it wasn't week after week where we we're like oh my gosh we have to get this placement like which i'm very grateful that we didn't have to go through that i believe that we just had to stay above in points above the second russian sled i believe um and we we did that very early on um and so it was just about kind of practicing, maintaining, staying healthy, continue to stay in competition mode, prepping, prepping for the Olympics. So I knew fairly early on um, and that, yeah, I was pretty much set and I had proven myself multiple times that I am a solid push athlete. I am there to perform. I will perform despite what's going, you know, external things. Like I will provide a, a great push um, and do the best of my abilities. And I proved that multiple times. And then, yeah, so I, I was pretty confident. I would say, especially like around January, I was like, okay, I think like, I was like, the Olympic team hasn't been announced yet, but I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm willing to place my bets. Um, but yeah, it's like at the end of the day, you do, you never know. It's like, you never want to like 
say like even I know like my dad would be like oh like she's going to the Olympics and I'm like I'm like dad you can't say that I haven't qualified yet the team hasn't been announced like you have to say she's training and prepping for like to compete at the Olympics so you never truly know 100% but I, I did have a good feeling like early on that it's like I think I'm good. So when that moment came when you officially knew I mean do you yeah. take that as automatically I'm an Olympian because I know some of our guests would be like well I, I don't feel like I'm an Olympian until I'm on the start line because things can happen between yeah, them but like I mean yeah. what was it what moment to you was it like fuck this is this is real I'm an Olympian um I don't I I truly I think so even in our Canadian system um you're not considered an Olympian until you've competed and so I believe I have that mindset as well because you never know what could happen in between that announcement to your competition date. You know, it's sport, you can get injured, you could get sick, whatever, you can end up just not competing. Um, and so then um, I, I don't believe that you're an Olympian until you've completed the competition. So for me, it wasn't until that fourth run was done, but it didn't uh, really hit me that it's like, I have the Olympian status until I think I was like back home. And, you know, I was telling people like, yeah, I just competed at the Olympics and because they'd be like, oh, what, what do you do for work? And I'm like, wow, well, I'm like a national team athlete. And they're like, ah, you're going to go to the Olympics or something. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I was just there in February. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of when it was like, oh, yeah, like I just I just did something that like most people don't do. Which you then get to add three cool little uh, initials after your name as well. You can yeah, be yeah. Y, which kind of looks a little bit fancier. But it's, I mean, I always love also hearing the stories because it's fascinating to hear that. Like I, I definitely think it's, um, you know, every athlete I feel has that different interpretation of when they may become an Olympian. But outside of that level of it, I always love hearing about the things that it is to be at an Olympics. So, you know, getting the uniform, going to the village, the opening ceremonies, the closing ceremonies, things like that. Like, do you allow yourself to get caught up in those little things at that time and, and sort of really soak it in? Like I've got, you know, all this Lululemon shit in front of me, which, you know, everybody yeah. would pay their left arm and a leg for literally. Cause it's that expensive. Um, hello to our Lululemon. We love you. But uh, I mean, like, things <laughs> like that. Do you, do you take that on board and really soak up those moments? Yeah. So because, because of COVID, the Olympics were very different. Like I tell people, like I jokingly, I'm like, Oh, like the Beijing Olympics were so VIP that the, the Chinese citizens weren't even allowed to come. <laughs> and um, so, and it, but it's true. It's like, we, we had other athletes there, we had coaches. So it did kind of feel almost normal, like our, our normal bobsleigh bubble, because we were around a lot of our competitors. We were with the skeleton athletes we had been there in October. So it's kind of like, all right, like we know where the village is. We know what the bobsleigh track is all about and like things like that. We're with very similar people. So it felt very um, normal almost. And which is good because it kept, I found that my nerves were kept very, very minimal until like the night before morning of. And like, I literally, I was like, I hadn't felt like that nervous or like that type of nerves in a long time. And it was like this nervous excitement. And I was like, texting my coach and he's like okay like well do you want to have a call like let's talk about other stuff and so like he like sat on the phone with me and I was like I'm just so nervous and like <laughs> he like tried to distract me which I was like super grateful for because I think that's what I needed um but yeah because it felt at least for me it's like because it felt um so normal like just 
like we're at another competition. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of like, like, whoa, like this is a, oh my gosh. And like, it was obviously super cool to get the Lululemon stuff, but it just, it was, it was just different. And like, even for me, I actually was one of the lucky athletes that went to the quarantine building. So I was actually opening my Lululemon stuff, um, with my friends, uh, on FaceTime in the quarantine building. And I, I missed, yeah. And I missed the opening ceremonies, um, because of that. Um, at that point I was in, uh, the isolation protocol, but yeah, I, um, I didn't get to walk into the opening ceremonies. Um, and that's okay. Like it happens. Did you do the closing ceremony? Were you able to, I did, I did. Yeah. So I did do the closing ceremonies, which was like really amazing. It's like, it's so beautifully done and, um, it's an inspiration. Like, you know, you're sitting next to like, like you know, a gold medalist, like you're sitting, like the hockey girls are behind you. And like, you know, Christine De Bruyne is like a couple of seats over and you're like, <laughs> man, this is so cool. Like I'm, I'm one of, I'm with like these like just amazing athletes. And like, you're like, wow, like this is like, we've just done something like that most people don't do. And like during a pandemic and it's like, this is crazy. Like, so it was, it was, it was cool. It was a very awesome it's... experience. I always find it interesting to, I guess, with winter athletes when we've spoken about this on the show before, whereas, you know, a lot of summer athletes get to do some sort of multi-sport event, you know, a Commonwealth Games, a Pan Ams, where they can maybe interact with people from other sports, where yeah. you're not really getting a chance to do that outside of, I guess, skeleton athletes, maybe some luge athletes every now and then. So you get to bump into the hockey girls, you know, some skiers, you, you know, curlers, people like that who, yeah, you're not really able to, I guess, rub shoulders with most times. Yeah, that's a true. And so where, where we were in the village, we were actually put with the, the, the other bobsledders of like Canadian bobsled team, the skeleton athletes, um, the luge athletes, and then ski alpine, which is cool because I've never met a ski alpiner before. And so talking with them, um, it was really eye opening, like just like different things that they, they deal with and like, um, them talking about various, uh, courses that they do. And you're just like, what? And then they're like, no, what you guys do is insane. And I'm like, <laughs> like you guys are going just as fast as us. And like, <laughs> we at least have a sled to cover. Like, I'm like, what? Top pieces um, of wood basically. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, you bring up kids deal with them and they're like, Oh yeah, that, that course is wild. And you're like, okay. <laughs> uh, so wow. it's, uh, yeah. So it is. Cause yeah, you're right. We don't normally get to run into other athletes. So it is, it's really cool. Like, and cause yeah, you just learn about other sports and it's really nice talking to people like that. Do you set expectations or does the team set expect? I mean, with three sleds, you go into it. I mean, obviously going into those Olympics, Canada had, had medaled in the last three, two women bobsled events uh, at the last three Olympics. So does it go in with, metal expectations for at least one of you or is it do you keep those sort of things on the on the down low and kind of just focus on times or you know day at a time things like that um when we're having like our meetings uh it's usually I would say like the summary of it would be like professionalism and excellence where we are trying to be our very best every single day and you know, for some people like individually or within like their teams, like, or sleds that might be our best is going for a medal. And it's like, or another team, it might be like our best is just like giving it all we got. Cause like, 
this is our Olympic moment and we're just going to do the best we can. So I would say, yeah, like to the team, it's like professionalism, excellence, like let's do, you know, let's, let's do the little things. Like let's, you know, stay later. Let's work on the sled, you know, do the little things that could get us a hundredth faster. And um, that's, that's more, I would say what the message is to the team. How uh, the teams themselves decided so like in terms of the three sleds that you've got with the six of you is, is that locked into place before you go based on you know this is how we worked in the world cup or can things sort of get changed around because i know sort of with australia's sled things were sort of changed around based yeah. on where they were in the world cup so i mean you end up back with melissa somebody who you've been with before and then sort of you know that's so like were you did you know you were with her basically the whole time or was that chosen just before beijing based on results and things like that no, so I knew I knew I was going to be paired with Melissa um, pretty early on. Um, partly, again, um, bobsleigh is a maximum weight sport. We fit pretty well uh, for weight wise. Um, so pretty early on, I kind of knew that the pairings were more or less set. Um, it's obviously, again, it is sport. At the end of the day, anything can happen, and things in the past have been switched around last minute. Um, even for the men's side, there were some last minute switch arounds. Um, so it can, it can happen. Um, but I think with the, the women, at least with the female side for this past year, it was kind of like, it was set early on that it's like, these, these are the break, these are the break women. These are the pilots like this, this is what's happening. Um, which in many ways is nice because it's like, you know, you try and build that team dynamic and um, try and get a routine and a jive going, um, which can make things a little bit easier. So, I mean, on that, like, do you, whether it is like an official team meeting comment you're saying, or it's something you keep to yourself, do you personally say to yourself, okay, I want to be top 10 or I want to get a medal or I want to be, you know, whatever it is. Like, do you personally set yourself some sort of goal going into the event? Yeah. Even like for myself, like my, my coach and I, we discussed like, you know, what, what is our goal? And I was very happy with how I pushed at the Olympics. Um, the start profile for the Beijing track, um, it's because it's so steep, I would, you could argue that it's better suited for more sprinter style um, pushers. Um, I hope I'm not like wrong in saying that if any bobsledders are going to call me out and go, that's wrong. Like, no, it's not. Oh, we get it all um, the time. Don't worry. We just ignore those messages. It's fine. <laughs> we just immediately trash. Um, yeah. Like, we've got a folder. They, bobsledders uh, complaints. Oh, we'll just put it in the folder. We'll read them later. Just, whatever. Um, but yeah. So because it's so steep, you need that overspeed. So it like really well suited to more sprinter style um and i think like from what we've seen like especially on the female side there were a lot of like uh break women who are known to be sprinters that were in those top push ranks and um i was very proud uh that i was you know on the first day i had two top six pushes and i was very proud of that and you know i remember calling my coach and being like not so bad for an 80 plus kilo girl. And he like laughed. He's like, yeah, that's not so bad at all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, of course you like you, um, I think as break people, like what we really want is like push start records. Like we really want push start records. And, uh, because your name gets like put on that and you're like, that's mine. Like that's what I did. And, um, but even like, 
of course you want the metals, you want the crystal globe, like all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, like you want, you want those things. And I guess that, um, that scale, that expectations and those goals, like they're always constantly changing. So it's like, yeah, you're always like, okay, one push start record. Okay. How about another one? Okay. One medal. Let's go for another crystal globe. Uh, so yeah, you definitely do have some individual goals and like what you want to do. And yeah, that was, that was discussed with my coach and what we were hoping and aiming for. And I'm guessing they change given that you're still so young, you're still so fresh into your career that, you know, the, the more and more you've got an Olympics over and done with now. So I guess you can kind of look towards different events differently now, right? Because I can imagine that if you go to Milan, it's going to be a different, this is what I want to achieve now versus I'm at my first Olympics. This is what I want to achieve here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's like, um, I, I would say maybe like your expectations, like at least for me, like get higher. Cause I'm like, I've improved so much in three years. Like, you know, I look back at even like my second year of push technique and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, that was so bad. Oh, <laughs> And, um, and you know, I don't even bother looking at my first year pushing. I'm like, no, 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 that's, we don't look at that. Um, but it's like, I've improved so much in three years. So it's like, I do look forward to, um, what, like where that, um, I guess line and, uh, can be moved to of like, okay, like let's keep going. Let's keep fighting for more hundreds and stuff. Cause there's always like, I guess that's the whole game. Like it's like, you're always trying to find these hundreds and you're like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And, um, yeah, it's like, it's like a fun, challenging game that you're constantly playing. So, I mean, obviously on then that level, as you're saying, like, you know, starting at a level going towards other things, you, you obviously leave Beijing finishing 12th. So I guess then, does that set sort of like a bar in terms of going to competitions moving forward that you're, I mean, it's probably a dumb question to say, like you always want to improve on your last result, but like, do you then go into every, say the next world cup season going, okay, we were 12th. We could be here now or like, oh, next Olympics, I need to be top 10, so to speak. Like, is it always that case where you're working towards improving that? I, I think, you know, the question I'm trying to ask you, Sarah, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with it. Let's just say 12th at the Olympics, moving <laughs> well, forward, where are we I'll to just, now? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll just start talking and hopefully I answer the question. There is a, there's an old, like, there's a saying that I've heard a couple of times where it's pretty aggressive, but it basically, it's like, you're only as good as your last race. And um, I think it's very true. Like, yeah, so you're, you are constantly trying to improve. And again, like as athletes, it's like, we want to achieve more and like we always uh want to like be improving and like again like that's the whole challenge of wanting to find hundreds and go okay so we were 12th or 17th or 8th or whatever it was even third I got you know I walked away with a medal it's like well how do we improve on that and it's like or how how do we even replicate that maybe that's the scenario and um so yeah I think like it is, it is a base benchmark where we go, all right, now where do we go? <laughs> How do we go more? Which, I mean, same with podcasting. You know, I usually ask a question like that, which is quite shit. And then I go, okay, next question, I can improve on that. It's not that hard. So <laughs> I, I hope that it improves basically. If you set the bar low, then it's like exactly. <laughs> exactly that's how it plays which i mean on that like again i know it's a question that olympians hate being asked just after an olympics it's oh you're going towards the next olympics but is it a is it a case of that you've got that hunger now that you've had an olympics behind you and that is something and then on top of that given that 2030 
high possibility it could be in Canada, it could be in Vancouver. Like, do you look at things like that to think that, hey, I'm going to keep pushing towards not only the next Olympics, but potentially a home Olympics in eight years' time? Yeah, yeah, you're, um, yeah, you get a little taste of it. And then I guess you get greedy and you're like, okay, I want more. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, even um, I am, you know, getting my Olympic tattoo and like, planning for it and I'm planning to add things to it to kind of represent the Olympics that I've gone to. And, you know, I was talking to the tattoo artist and I'm like, well, like the next one is in Milan and like maybe over here. And then it might potentially be in Vancouver and like, I could do this and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, you, uh, you get a little greedy and you're like, okay, well, I want to keep going. And like, you can always go back to school. You can't go back to sports. It's very difficult when you're 50 to go back and be like, I think I'll go squat 150 kilos. Like, why not? It's pretty <laughs> difficult. So unless I you're Tom Brady, still, you retire for five minutes, right? And then you just go back in. Anyway. That's true. And then you're like, <laughs> I want to keep doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm still young. I still have, you know, a couple Olympics in me and I'm like, why not? And my friends are always like, avoid the nine to five for as long as possible. Just keep avoiding it. So I'm like, exactly. okay, I guess I'll keep bobsledding. <laughs> You've got a great excuse for that. Where, where did you, where did you get the tattoo and how quickly was it? Like as soon as you got back, you're like, okay, tattoo straight away. Let's do it. I actually haven't gotten the Olympic rings tattooed yet. I uh, right. it's still in the works. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. You've got yeah, the necklace still... though. I can see the necklace though. So I that's do have something. the necklace. Yeah. Yeah, I that's, do have the that's awesome. Because I always like it's it's kind of that weird thing. Like of all the levels of of the things you get to do as an Olympian, it just always seems that rites of passage where like gotta get the tattoo, right? Like it just it has yeah. to be done. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which, it's, I um I always said to myself like if for some reason I ever went to the Olympics, I was like that's a tattoo I'm gonna get. Like you know I don't I don't <laughs> picture myself with like a bunch of tattoos or anything. Like I wish I could be like oh yeah I want to get a sleeve yeah. like. No, I'm not, I don't think it's in my personality, um, but I was like the tattoo and my mom isn't super big into tattoos. I was going to ask, what's, uh, the, like, what's mom think? Yeah, like that's, she, uh... she's not super big into them, um, but she's like the Olympic tattoos is a, you know, you got to get that one. So, if someone's just like yeah. Post Malone style on your face or something like that, then, you know. No, maybe. no, we can't do, but the helmet would cover it. So. True. Yeah. Yeah. So Go okay. all that. You could be that unique Olympian who's like, bugger it, yeah. on the head, boom. And then when people head. ask you, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. Like, straight, straight across <laughs> the, the neck. That that would definitely work out well. Uh, and so now sort of we're recording this at uh, the beginning of May. So uh, are you back into training? Like is it kind of that period now where you look towards the next World Cup season and have you just sort of had a couple of months off that you've been able to just, I guess, recoup and relax a little bit before you do go for the next tilt? Unfortunately, I um, so I tried to go back to training. So usually what we do is about four weeks off. Um, I wasn't quite ready to go back at the four week mark. So I think I took off about six weeks um, after the after Beijing and um, we discovered that an old injury that I was kind of hoping would be healed, magically just healed in the six weeks, did not um, heal. And uh, it was basically, it's a sports hernia um, in my in my upper ab. Um, I noticed it, I think actually in my second year of bobsleigh, but it went away. It was very minor. I didn't even actually know what it was. I just had like a funny pain. And then this past year, it um, it got, I guess it suddenly came during the World Cup season and I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's kind of annoying. I don't know what's going on. Something's not right. 
And so I finally got it scanned um, because I went back to training and I, um, I did a, like a late session and uh, I went back into my house and I sneezed and my wow. ab just grabbed. And I was like, I like yelled out. I was like, ah! and my mom was like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, so I was like, okay, something is still like, something's wrong. Like, and so we, I got it scanned and they're like, yeah, there's, there's the tear. And that's considered a sports hernia. I was like, oh, okay. Because so, you sneezed. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I don't know if maybe that's what like, like maybe it was start, like it was healing and then the sneeze, like, I, I don't know, or maybe Aggravated it was or something. Wow. Sneeze. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I don't know, but uh, I sneezed and I was like, it's still, I was like, it's still there. Oh my God. I'm scared to sneeze now. Um, I just think. uh... I know. And like my problem, well, my problem is I, uh, I have a, I hold in my sneezes. So, um, so it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, um, I hold in my sneezes. And so like, that's not good. That's really, you're not supposed to do that. I mean, thankfully it didn't happen during, before the Olympics. I mean, how would that be explained? Like, yeah, I was going to the Olympics and then I sneezed and then I didn't go to the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually I had, um, you know, the stories, I guess, like you, you could share, like, I guess I've, I've had um, a couple muscle tears from this past year. It just, it pops up, it happens and you deal with it. You, you find way, like I basically got PRP injections for them um, to help speed up the healing. And um, so I've had three now. Um, but during before, I think four or five days before the Olympics, I was supposed to compete. I thought I tore my hamstring oh. and I was panicked. I was panicking. And um, basically when I noticed it was, I picked up the bobsled or I was helping to flip it or something. And I was like, Oh, my hamstring and I was like oh my god and uh thankfully obviously it wasn't it was not torn it was just um I guess aggravated strained I'm not sure um but yeah I was uh heavily wrapping my hamstring for the four days you know I I had to kind of like like luckily it kind of worked out because you're tapering anyways so like my you know I wasn't actually like doing much in like the like the week leading up to the Olympics because all of a sudden I had this hamstring. But luckily I woke up on the day of uh, the competition. I was fine. My hamstring felt you were normal. Fine. And then you yeah. put you put Tiger Bomb on it and you're like, ah, yeah. oh, whatever. <laughs> it's a magic spray they use in soccer, right? When they're on the fa- the ground and they just spray <laughs> them and they're fine. Which I mean, I like that Pretty would much. be my thing if I ever make if I ever make an Olympics. It would like I just I wouldn't want to go outside. I'd lock myself in my room. Like, no, I, I could get COVID, yeah. I could get injured. Like, no, 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 training's fine. I made the Olympics. I'm good. Like I'm just staying inside forever. <laughs> until i'm on wrap. there yeah like I'd be yeah so just scared. like bubble wrap me until i get to the start line yeah it's um so yeah there's uh there's a lot of things that i um and a lot of other athletes do where we kind of pare down what we're doing um and like different things where it's like like you know i wouldn't get on a horse because it's like i haven't been horseback riding in like what 10 would years would you have anyway like, though sarah was that is that a common plan that you do on a wheel oh, saturday time to get in a horse that's how you I ride mean, to, that's how you ride to training you're very traditional well i do live in the country so stranger things have happened <laughs> i lived in canada <laughs> yeah, i know that's how you get around just we'll yeah. ruin that illusion yep there's a horse and buggy and then polar bears in the winter exactly it's <laughs> so like yeah. in australia we ride but kangaroos yeah, so, that makes sense. I've, I've yep. heard that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then, it's a great way to get around. But yeah. 
probably a lot of jostling with the jumping, but just yeah. a bit, but you get used to it. It's kind of, you know, after a while you realize that they don't have good shock absorbers, but Hey, like it, it's, it's good for the back somehow. I don't know. Probably bad for the back. That's but great. Yeah. It, the things <laughs> um, that work out. <laughs> but yeah, there's certain things that I just like wouldn't do because you're like, well, the Olympics is eight months away. I'm not going to go get on a horseback like just in case I'm not going to go mountain biking because uh, that's not something I do um so yeah you kind of you're you're careful with what you do even like in Calgary it's super common like those electric like scooters to like just mm-hmm. boot around town and um I've never been on one because I'm I was fearful that it's like what if I fall and like twist an ankle and then boom Olympics are done and you also don't walk down the yeah. street when those things are there because you can also get collected by one of them because people and them are maniacs. <laughs> I know it's true. They just like zoom by, and you're like, "Yeah, don't you have a bell? Like, yeah, you know or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell is going on there?" Um, yeah. We're going to get to some get to know yourself, fun little questions in just a moment. But before I do, just a couple of quick questions. Um, have you had a Twinkie yet? I actually have not. Ah, <laughs> I still, haven't, still haven't had, had it yet. Okay. No, I, uh, I feel like I wish I had one right now to virtually hand you, but I'm, I'm not that well prepared. But uh, what is it but about then, Twinkies that you just, is this a thing now that you own this? Like I will never eat I, a Twinkie. Honestly, I was just about to say, like, even if you offered it, I feel like I would have to say no, just because it's been so long, so many it's years thing. that like I've never had one. Yeah. I'm like, that's my claim to fame. Like I... I've never had a Twinkie, so it's, I got to keep up It's such a unique that. claim to fame, though, because I feel there's probably a majority of Australians is, yeah. who have never had a Twinkie, so we don't really have them in Australia. Yeah. So it's know. a very like I guess North American thing, and <laughs> I've just I, you know in years past I've said it where it's like people are like oh like I love Twinkies I'm like oh I never had one they're like oh, what <laughs> I'm like ah, I don't know my parents never bought one like I don't know your parents were smart they're not that great like let's be honest Twinkies like no offense to yeah. our Twinkie lovers out there but there's much better snacks than Twinkies um I also I, I also read uh, you played the trumpet growing up now is my this my poor mother. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, bobsledding, tattoos, trumpets. Um, is it is it something that, you, you know, you could bring back out? Like if, if the bobsledding, you know, does it, you become a trumpet player? Because, I mean, I, I don't know the transition from bobsledding to trumpet playing. I mean, not many people probably do it, so you could be unique in that aspect too. Well, it might work out because, like, you know, in the bobsled, you kind of have to control your breathing a lot. So it's like... I, I probably have like a good lung capacity for it. No, I, I played it in uh, like junior high into high school. And basically my brother actually like just, you know, part of the music program, my brother was like given the trumpet as well. And then my mom, you know, when it was my turn, cause like my brother's older, but when it was my turn, she was like thinking to herself, like, please anything, but like, like a brass <laughs> instrument, just not, not a brass <laughs> instrument. And then I got the trumpet as well. And she was like, oh, my God. So there was no. about a year overlap <laughs> where both my brother and I, we were playing the trumpet. And, um, yeah, she was like, oh, my God. But, no, I honestly, it's been years since I played it. And, like, um, I just did it for school. So just, like, an odd fact that I just kind of throw out there. that it's like, yeah, I used to play the trumpet. Like, and donate Twinkies, basically. And donate Twinkies. That's how it goes. <laughs> And although I think it's the same interview I read uh, that you did, uh, two cats and a dog. Um, yeah, can, yeah. can you tell? Because I'm I'm a cat person. Everyone's always got dogs, so that, you know I'm sure your dog's great. But tell us about the cats. How are the cats? Uh, what are their names? Uh, you know, give some so, details. Uh, so I'm actually allergic to cats. We oh, you ruined that straight away. Come on, Sarah. I geez. know, I know. <laughs> so I absolutely like. 
if you were to ask me, are you a dog or a cat person? I wouldn't be able to decide because I'm like, oh, both have such like wonderful pros and both have cons. Like, you know, I see both sides. Like, um, like cats are very independent, but like a dog always shows you like love, but it's like, they're like a child. And then like cats can be very cold. So it's like, I see both cats sides. Cats are bastards, but they're great bastards. Let's be honest. I know ours. I, so they, we got them. They're both males. One is named Silas. One is named Willie, which is yes, the duck dynasty characters. Um, so that's who we named them after. And uh, they are wonderful cats. They, um, they love belly rubs. They demand for belly rubs. Actually, they, um, they're very, very vocal with us to let them know that they want attention. Um, yeah, they've never bitten us. They've never scratched us. Like they're, they're honestly wonderful cats. Like they're two very, very wonderful cats. Um, yeah. So know. we got them from a shelter. Yeah. So I think they're maybe well socialized. Maybe that's why I, I honestly Perfect. don't know. Cause our first cat was like a barn cat and like very stereotypical cat. Like <laughs> you're petting to me too bastard. much. Stop that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Which is, it's, yeah. I, I agree with your, what you say, like about you can be both. Like I, I'm definitely a cat person, but like I love dogs. Like it's kind of that, there's that stigma. It's like, oh, you're a cat person. You don't like, why don't you like dogs? Like, well, I love dogs. Like I do. I've just, yeah. if I had to choose, I would choose cats, but like, it doesn't mean yeah. I don't, I've had dogs my whole life. I love dogs. They're great, but definitely more of a cat person. So yeah. um, that rare breed apparently i don't know how that works um as i said we wrap up every interview with a set of fun get to know yourself questions and as always these are based on a questionnaire that team canada gave their athletes ahead of rio and pyeongchang we believe they didn't do it for you guys which we're disappointed but we've kept we've kept this tradition alive team canada so if you want to bring it back for paris and milan you are most welcome to because we at least care about asking these questions to your athletes um there is Again, an optional drawing element, Sarah. So uh, I don't know how you are at your drawing, but um, if you wish to, you can send it in to us and we can put it on our social media. So just uh, okay. just if you feel the need. That in mind. Yeah. Keep it in mind. There you go. Your favourite all-time Olympic moment is? Oh, my gosh. You're starting with a hard one. I know. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I want to say probably getting released from quarantine. No, I'm <laughs> um, I think the moment that we got to see the Olympic competition suits, I um, really loved the suit. And that's when you like, you really start like visualizing, you're like, oh, okay, like that's the suit that we're going to wear. And um, I honestly, I love the design. I thought they were very, very nice. I really, really liked it. Um, obviously like I like the more black and then with the white and the red, I think it's a very, very um, nice and professional. So yeah, when we got to see those Olympic suits, like that was pretty sweet. And, and I got to yeah, say that. the fact that you get given Lululemon stuff and you don't have to line up for it. Every time I saw Lululemon stores, when I lived in Canada, there was, it was like a block party. There were just people queued up around the corner. They had the guy with the clipboard and the headset. I'm like, Oh, what's this exclusive party? It's like, Oh, Lululemon's open. So you got it quite easily. So there you go. That's another positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Lululemon stuff. Like, wow. Like every, like so many people would come up to us and be like, we're so jealous of your kit. And I honestly, I think they were trying to like, they're like, how do, can I get some? And you're like, no, yeah. man, get off. <laughs> um, but even I, I was getting messages from like the summer, uh, summer Olympians and they're like, you guys got Lululemon. We're so jealous. Oh my gosh. We're we like, just got the bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
yeah, well, you could switch sports. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm saying right now, I am wearing a lovely The Bay T-shirt, so um, that's that's all I'll say. Did you do did you do uniform training with any other athletes? Because I know there is some sort of uniform training sometimes with Olympians. I personally didn't. I am a little bit of a hoarder, and I'm not uh, good at letting <laughs> things go. Um, even despite me reading the life changing magic of tidying up, I still. <laughs> All my clothing sparks joy in me, so I can't get rid of it. Um, right. So I didn't, I didn't trade, but I did the the pin trading, which was really fun. Which did did you get? Like, I love hearing about how some people really get into it. Like, did you like, get obsessed yeah. with like trading? Like, oh, I need, I need a Czech Republic pin all of a sudden. Like, where is it? I need to find it. <laughs> I didn't get super super into it. I found like the volunteers were like super excited, and um, they would really want like specific ones from Canada. Like, we have a pretty large one um, that we only got two of and so they're like oh we really want that one and you're like no man i'm keeping no. i'm keeping one of them <laughs> and yeah because they know like that's like the rare one it's like no man you're not you're not getting that one um but yeah it was it was really fun like i liked and it was a great opportunity to like meet people from other sports and other athletes and uh yeah so i really i liked that uh the pin trading did they i know some of our tokyo athletes were saying that it was like an app like a game that the ioc or something had done so like if you completed a certain amount of tasks kind of like a pokemon go thing you had to like go through tasks and you find did you have a similar thing like that where you could go on an app and find certain apps uh certain yeah so we yeah there there was something similar but it was um i didn't actually end up doing it because it was um a pin box i saw the pin box and i was just like "Eh." (laughs) yeah i think it was a lot of um yeah, I don't know. I just like uh, too complicated. I, I just yeah, I was like uh, sitting there for half an hour doing the game. I don't know. So I don't know. I just I was like I want to meet the athletes. I want to like do it that way. Um, so I kind of stuck with that that, that method. Works. That's a good way of doing yeah. it. Um, as a kid, your favorite sports team was. So not a specific team, I would say, like I've never really gotten into teams, but I loved watching gymnastics, like artistic gymnastics. And I actually really liked watching bobsleigh. Um, It was super cool when that would come on uh, during the Olympics. And then um, I loved watching figure skating, of course. Uh, I guess coming from a gymnastics background, I thought it was so crazy that they would do all these twists and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, if they fall, they're falling on ice. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then the track and field, yeah. So I kind of ended up doing all the sports that I like watching. So. so is that a when it comes to some of those sports, and now that you are an Olympian, do you feel like, okay, like I really want to meet Andre de Grasse? I really want to meet, you know, Tessa. Like, do you, do you want to like use these sports where you kind of like watch growing up to kind of use some inroads in and be like, hey, COC, I want to meet some of these people because these are the people I grew up wanting to to be yeah. like. <laughs> so it's, I think this is maybe something I differ on a lot of people. I don't actually have any like celebrities that like, you know, inspiration and stuff like that. Um, I guess, especially now that I've gone to the Olympics, I realize that a lot of these people, like they're just normal people. They're just, you know, this is the, their job. Um, so I don't have anyone specific that I um, would like to meet. Um, I've heard Clara Hughes is like super, super nice. Um, so <clears throat> I'd love to meet her. Like, I think that would be someone who I'd like to just hear her story and like meet. Um, but yeah, I I don't have anyone specific in mind. Um, so there's not even, some, I, like, I'm going to tie this in. Sorry to interrupt. But there's, there's a yeah. question I used to ask on another radio show, which was always, who is your childhood celebrity crush? So not even like a, yeah. you know, like some somebody out uh, there, like cele- like if right now if like Ryan Reynolds walked in or somebody like that, you'd just be like, oh, like okay, I can, I can, yeah. 
<laughs> no, yeah. So I did, I sort of had a celebrity crush. Like, again, I didn't get super into that, but there was like, eventually as I got older, I was like, oh my gosh, Channing Tatum is just so handsome. <laughs> like he's just so handsome. Um, so that was like, I guess my celebrity crush, but. Um, well, funnily enough, Channing's with us yeah. right now. Channing, come on in. Um, <laughs> oh he's just, he's a friend of mine. We just chill together, you know, like uh, just working, working on all these different films. But I've, I always find it interesting because like, I used to love asking that question on my other show because you just get the wide variety of answers and often you would either feel very young or very old when you would have certain people would, yeah. would answer that. But um, it is like, I can find it very unique to think that, as you say, like you're, you're in an Olympic village and you are rubbing shoulders with those sort of people who outside, like, uh, I don't know, there's Michaela Schifrin or somebody like that. Like everyone's like, wow, Michaela yeah. Schifrin. But you're just like, oh, just doing a job. Just going to work tomorrow, everyone. Like, <laughs> I, you, I, you shouldn't, know. I shouldn't say that. No, it's all right. No, like, we, 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 we made enough fun of Michaela Schifrin in the last uh, couple of months. It's fine. But it's like, I mean, it's it's no different to like if you, you go to a supermarket and, you know, you've got a great worker behind the thing serving oh, you. Yeah. Like, that's their job. So I it's kind I, of. I'm, I'm making it sound like it's like. No, I'm making it sound like you're making it sound that way. Don't worry. That's on me. Um, So it's, it's like, you're you're fine. No, it's what, like, they, what they've done is like phenomenal. They're super athletic feats. And obviously, like, it's amazing what they've done. But I wouldn't, I guess, like actively go and be like, oh, my gosh, can I like get your autograph? Unless it's Channing Tatum. Um, Here he is. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you dancing naked again, Um, Channing? What's going on? Put some clothes on. Um, (laughs) If you could be any superhero. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're not Magic Mike. Okay. Um, If you could be any superhero, who would you be? Uh, I I don't really, I'm not super familiar with like, superheroes but i guess like superwoman is pretty cool um so but i i want the ability to be able to transport that's what i Mm. like to be able to just snap my fingers so it's like whichever female or like whichever superheroes can do that like the ability to transport i think that would be nice i don't have to gas prices are way too much right now so it's like that'd be (laughs) economical i don't i don't know if there is a superhero who can teleport um i know like star trek they had the thing and then what was that um Hayden Christensen movie uh, Jumper, where they could like jump through like space time timelines. Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, bending physics. Why not? Why? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Hmm, yeah. Well, that, I, I mean, I'm always on board with that one too because, like, you know, let's be honest, it's just like, ah, it's Tuesday. Let's go to Italy. Boom, bang, I'm there. So it's just that'd be know, nice. <laughs> just you're bored. Uh, three o'clock. Let's go. Let's go there. Um, Whatever, Spain. Your favorite music artists are. These, again, these are hard questions. I don't have like specifics. Um, when I was do you little, have any I interests, be, Sarah? Shall I just start with that? I know I'm starting. I'm starting to out myself. It's like okay, so all this girl does is sports. Don't like Twinkies. <laughs> no, don't I'm, like don't like music. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a hater. No, when I was younger, I really was like I loved Lou Bega. Like oh, number, yes. number five was my jam. That was my jam. Oh, um, so, that makes me happy. And then More people also, need to like Lou Bega. Yes. Yeah. And then also but, uh, Shania Twain. Oh, was, again, yes. When I was younger, I got, because, you know, I had both of their CDs. So yep. um, back back when CDs were still very, very I remember much those. a thing. Yep. Yeah. I remember those too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's fun. I yeah. actually, it was a, on, a, on another radio show I did, I interviewed Lou Bega and I actually, he told this amazing story about how 
don't know if you remember the Bob the Builder version of Mumbo Number no. Five that like got famous a few years heard later. That, really? It's it's oh it's Bob gosh. the Builder making it up, you know, Mumbo Number no. Five, but with building references. Yeah. But apparently, they never got like Lou Bega's permission or they got the rights to it. So oh, Lou Bega's basically going <laughs> off at Bob the Builder, owing him all these like. Because <laughs> I don't know if that song was more right. successful than his version, but here I am like yeah. listening to Lou Bega going off about Bob the Builder. So that was an experience. Um, That's but, hilarious. Yeah. Um, lately, though, like it's not necessarily specific artists, but it's like so when I'm working out, I listen to a lot of like EDM and like hard music. I guess like I love the bass and um, and then especially now that it's getting in the summertime and like I'm, I think I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but like country music, love country music. Um, hey, you're in the right yeah. part of the world. If 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 you're in Australia, <laughs> you would get hate, but North America, no, nah, it's it's just normal. It's fine. You know, I, I, when I lived in Canada and you've got a radio station playing country, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And everyone's like, going like, Ben, don't say that. You're in Canada. This is normal. It's like, okay, calm down. Um, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Do you like food, Sarah? I'll just quickly ask that question. First of all, do you like food? (laughs) I do like food. Okay, good. All right. Good. All right. We're good there. Very few things that I don't like. My only thing that I'm like, I will not, I will not eat this. I can't like this is peppers i hate peppers i don't know why i just i hate peppers sweet peppers hot peppers hate peppers um but i think i would probably choose thanksgiving dinner Um, yes (laughs) yeah yeah because then you can at least mix it up maybe make a sandwich which Um, i mean it is one thing that I love in this part of the world is Thanksgiving. We don't do Thanksgiving in oh, Australia, so yeah. it's um, it's Canadian or American Thanksgiving have been some of my yeah. favourite meals. So, yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, yeah, that's my choice. <laughs> there you go. All right. Your favourite place to compete is? Beijing. Um, Beijing. I, it's my favourite track, I would say, overall. It's my favourite, just... Um, the track itself is super cool. Um, I think it's as close to like a roller coaster simulation like we're ever going to get because you have like the long sweeping corners and it's not super, super high like G-forces and that um, you get the weightlessness feeling, which normally in bobsleigh, that's a very bad thing. You don't want to experience that. That means you're about to crash. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, the very first time I kind of knew where it was going to happen, but I felt the weightlessness and I was like, <laughs> okay we're good <laughs> um but it is it's a really cool feeling and like when the when the beijing track is like driven nicely like really well it's like it's it's so nice it's a really really nice um the mountains are absolutely beautiful we were probably there for almost eight weeks in total between october and february and i think there was maybe like four bad days of weather like it was always sunny so yeah i would beijing i love the beijing beautiful and we also had a heated indoor track to warm up which was wonderful <laughs> like you such can't a complain about that yeah exactly no. wow crazy um the the first drawing one here if you want to do it is draw a picture of yourself so um just not sure how you feel about that one sarah but it's, it's there as an as a option um one okay. thing you have always wanted to do is uh i've always wanted to do the indoor um not uh the indoor flying like the oh, like skydiving indoor skydiving in, in yeah indoor skydiving because honestly i've seen too many i can't believe i'm not dead videos for skydiving no. so like, i don't i don't know if i can do that um maybe we'll see uh but yeah i've seen i've seen a lot of those i can't believe i'm not dead 
I, I need to find this YouTube channel. I can't believe it. I'm not dead. Channel, it used but... to be a show like years ago, like 10 years ago. It used to be a really big thing. Um, and I used to just watch it. And now wow. I'm like, oh, skydiving. Cause it's like all skydiving. It's like, <laughs> so yeah, I would indoor really like skydiving. indoor indoor skydiving. That'd Keep up with the hand gestures. I, I, I much like that when you're trying to, I, explain. I really want to do that indoor just, like thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. That's exactly what I was you, thinking you when you were going. Get with there, it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that thing that you do with your hand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that absolute thing. Um, your favorite thing to do in the summer is. Uh, I really liked. Um, I've learned to really enjoy walking my dog. Um, because I listen to my murder podcast while I'm doing <laughs> that, and um, you know, very uh. I think like you murder, but this isn't how to murder. This is just a, you know, like it's like how to murder people. (laughs) (laughs) I'll listen to like forensic files or like the, the 48 hours kind of thing. Um, Those, those ones. Um, So I really enjoy that. And um, thankfully I have a couple friends who have cottages. So I love it when they, they invite me out. So Nicole, if you want to invite me to your cottage again, love to go. <laughs> nuts, nuts, wink, wink. There you yeah, go. And also, and of course, now you, when you walk your dog, you can listen to Off the Podium, your new favorite podcast. Uh, that's exactly right. I can keep exactly. Up. That's exactly it. Um, your favorite movie is Disney's Hercules. Oh, didn't even think about that one. That was yeah, straight off the no, tongue. That's yeah. See, I do like things. You I do, do like things. Yes, that's good. Yeah. What is it about Disney's Hercules that uh, particularly tickles your fancy? Um, I really liked Meg and um, and yeah, just like the, the various characters in the, the uh, movie is just like it's really just humorous, and um, I think it's kind of funny because I, if you watch back on Hercules, like he kind of he kind of does gymnastics, he kind of does weightlifting, he <laughs> kind of does track and field, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I did all those things. Does he do bobsled um, though? He didn't do bobsled, but I think he could have been a really great bobsledder, honestly. Well, there you go, just saying you're better than Hercules, yeah. clearly. Hashtag better than Hercules. <laughs> There's another t-shirt for you more side hustles but when yeah. i was also when i was younger i was obsessed with greece so that's ah. something i became which which now that i'm older looking back i'm like maybe i shouldn't have been watching this movie <laughs> when i was like eight years old i think there's always some movies that you know you question yeah. why were you allowed to watch them growing up so yeah um yeah, I, I, I was fed a nice staple diet of Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, which, again, as like a, you know, six-year-old mm. probably shouldn't be watching. But, hey, thanks, Dad. I had a great childhood. Ah, I'm, I'm, it happens. Exactly. I haven't blown anyone up yet, so that, that's all good. Um, but, your f- favourite place to visit in Canada is? Hmm. I feel like there's so many places I haven't visited in Canada to, like, not be able to... Well, is there a place particular that you would really like to go maybe that you've not been to? Um, I'm actually, I really want to go to Halifax because like one of my best friends is currently there finishing up her law degrees. So I really want to visit her and I haven't seen her in three years. So I'd love to see her. Um, and yeah, I would like to go see the East Coast, um, you know, try get some lobster rolls maybe. Um, yep. But yeah, I think that would be really sweet. Um, and when my dad immigrated into Canada, his name is apparently on a book somewhere and i believe i believe it's in halifax because that's where the the docking port was so when he arrived in canada so i think it'd be kind of cool to see that too perfect i've got to ask a question on behalf of colin who's not here right now but have you been to winnipeg i have i have it is 
fucking cold. <laughs> I went, I went in, um, in my last year of university, uh, I went, um, we had see like you now it's called U sports, but we had, uh, university nationals there. So I went in February as like a tester event and then like a test competition to get the facility, all that stuff, start visualizing. And then I went again in March, uh, beginning of March for the actual like nationals, and I just, oh, the facility is beautiful. Like the um, the track itself, it's like a really nice track. And you're like, man, they have this out in Winnipeg, what? Um, and, but I remember walking outside and I was wearing jeans and my legs just started burning because of just wow. how cold it was. And I was like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> like, Com- oh common gosh. expression and, uh, when you're in Winnipeg is I've got to get out of here. Yeah, That's um, on I've many levels. I've heard it's beautiful. I've heard it's beautiful <laughs> in the summer, but unfortunately I went there in the winter and yeah, it was I think Colin's told the story on some of our shows before, but I think it's got um, the biggest discrepancy in the world between like the lowest in winter and the highest in summer. Like it's some ridiculous, like 50 degrees Celsius or something like that. Just it's, it's amazing uh, how big it is, but um, yeah, no, Colin's a very proud winner. Pegger, is that that sounds inappropriate? Uh, Winnipegian, uh, I don't know uh, what the correct terminology is for somebody from Winnipeg. Uh, so um, we've always got to ask that question, basically, to make him happy. Uh, Winnipegger, uh, don't steal that for people from Winnipeg. Uh, my favorite cartoon to watch growing up was. Um, I'm trying to think. Like when I was, I can't remember when I was really little. It's not a cartoon, but I watched like Barney. Like I loved watching Barney. Um, and then when, as I got older, it turned into SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And now it's funny cause I still watch cartoons. Like I watch like, like the adult cartoons, I guess. Like I watch Bob's Burgers, like Family Guy, like Archer. I really like Archer. That one's a good one. Um, so I never really steered away from the cartoon, but just graduated to more age. Well, that's, I, guess, I think a lot of people. Cartoons. Yeah. I mean. I still watch The Simpsons, even though it hasn't been good in about 20 years, but I still watch it. So, like, why not? Are you yeah. excited then for the Bob's Burgers movies coming out, basically? Or maybe you know it's already what? out. I, I actually j- I just saw that for the first time as I was driving the other day. I saw it on the side of a movie theater where I think it was coming out May 27th. I was like, I didn't know Bob's Burgers was having a movie. I'm going to go watch that. <laughs> so you excited it's for it. So it's funny you asked me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm going to go watch yeah, well, proud sponsor. I wish they were a proud sponsor. We could use some money. But anyway, um, if you're listening, Bob's Burger Movie people, sponsor us. We're, we're great. Um, <laughs> if you had to do karaoke, what would you sing? Uh, can I choose tequila? Absolutely. Of course you can. That's a classic. <laughs> that is a classic. Um, if I had to, like, actually, like, pick a song, I would probably pick, um, like, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme or, like, yes. one of those, like, Maybe Rasputin Go or something Abba. like yeah, that. Yes. Well, yeah, that, 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 um, they did a new version of that recently, didn't they? There was some like uh, remix or something of Rasputin that came out. So. I didn't know that. By yeah. Boney M? Yeah, no, like they've, they've got the up. Boney M version. Um, I can't remember who did it, but it, within the last 12 months, there's like a sort of a – uh, I, I don't know if it's technically a remix or they've just sampled it and mixed it, whatever they do with it. But, yeah, like, yeah. there is a version of it that's been in the charts recently, so – Wow, yeah. I'm gonna have to Quite look that good. up because I've just been listening to like the old tried and true one. So yeah, no, it's it's it it does the trick. Now I might this is the last question, but I might you've got plenty to choose from because you you almost I guess went on a different path to go for an Olympian in a different sport. But if you could choose to be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what sport would you choose? Sure. 
Um, I, um, it depends. So, <laughs> that sounds really bad. If I could restart, I would probably be like a tennis player because there's <laughs> actually like money in tennis. True. <laughs> and, yes. Um, but I really like the, if I had to pick like a specific winter sport one, I really like the idea of speed skating. Cause I think there's so many opportunities to like be a medalist and like, um, yeah, I think like, that's a really cool one. I would do long track. I don't want to do I was going to say track. long track or um, short track. What, which yeah, way no, would you no, go? Short, short track looks so wild. And I don't <laughs> like the idea that like someone could just like stick their foot in my yeah. foot and then you're out. I'm like, no, don't touch me. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, so I like, I like the idea of long track and yeah, there's just so many opportunities to like, um, yeah, to be able to compete and to win medals. Um, which I, I, I think that's really cool. That's why you're a break woman then. It's like the, the don't touch me thing. You can just get in the back. I'm like, oh no, Pretty I'm not much, yeah. just, uh, I'm having, oh, I, I don't want to touch anyone. <laughs> I think that's why I've done a lot of uh, individual sports. I'm like, don't touch me. It's rugby. Like that makes one, sense. Rugby. Why you yeah, didn't do rugby? Too much tackling. Well, like one time um, I did like a four man load in the ice house and uh, with a, with my, one of my coaches and I didn't like how close he had to get to me. I was like, <laughs> you loved COVID then for the social distancing. That was your bag. Like you were just like, yeah, it's social distancing. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it's not too bad. Six, six feet away. Well, I've, I've been dreaming of this my entire life. Like, come on, bring it on. Just waiting uh, for it. Just waiting for it. Uh, the, the other drawing aspect of it, draw a picture of your favorite animal. So, um, animal yourself. Oh, this is also a hard question. I know, right? Like, what, what would you is draw? I could I could draw a cat. Those are pretty. Early. Go for it. That's simplish. Draw both your cats. <laughs> was, you know, not that was being an interesting bastards. way. That was that was an interesting way to like get me to be like, okay, now you've agreed to drawing something. I know this is what we do on the show. We get to a point where it's just like we we say it's optional, but then we're like, no, it's you will do it. Um, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sarah, before we let you go, if people wish to stay up to date with what you're up to between now and and Milan or whatever happens next in your journey, social media things like that, where can people follow you? But not touch you. Uh, not that so, you would. That sounds inappropriate. Yeah, but like just six six feet away yeah, in following her. Thank don't you. Don't touch me. But yes. uh, so yeah, a lot of my social medias are it's like like a like a villain. So it's either like a villain thirteen or just like a villain. <laughs> um, pretty easy to find on social media. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm more active on Instagram. I'm trying to be more active on TikTok. Uh, but I'm also on Twitter and facebook and i feel yeah, i so. just every time somebody brings up tiktok i i love to make my kesha joke haha that's a kesha song but like i feel like i should be on tiktok just to follow all of our guests because i've never used it in my life but it sounds like there's yeah. good shit going on on tiktok so maybe i need to download it it's honestly it's a little bit of you have to be prepared that it is a wormhole uh you will <laughs> suddenly three hours have has gone by and you're like oh my gosh i've just scrolled through tiktok um but it's super like honestly like it's really entertaining and there's a lot of canadian athletes and a lot of international athletes that you know do the tiktok thing and they have fun doing it and it is pretty it's fun yeah. All right, we're good. we're going to check this out. And has Elon Musk bought TikTok? No, it's safe from Elon Musk. I, <laughs> I feel I like know. he's probably. I have a feeling that it's going to be a tweet soon. It's going right. to be like a month or two. Okay, okay. Uh, just uh, get on while it's hot. Then basically, Sarah, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate your time, learning about everything and, and your journey and everything throughout the sport. And uh, I will say that next time, if we get you back on the show, I'll be sure to bring a Twinkie 
done by Channing Tatum though? Would you eat it if Channing Tatum brought you a Twinkie? I don't know. Like, um, it's kind of my claim to fame. But it's Channing Tatum. Like, come on. Like, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's his, you know, I don't like peas and corn. And I, I, I'm okay. I've never watched Game of Thrones in my life. And that's kind of my thing. But if Natalie Portman rocked up to my place right now and was like, Ben, let's watch Game of Thrones, probably going to say yes. <laughs> but you wouldn't eat the peas and corn. No. No, not even if Natalie Portman is right there, like seductively, Ben eats and Pete. No, go away, Natalie. Just, just, just go back to Thor. Like I'm just, I'm not doing it. Uh, Sarah, a lot of fun. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. No, thank you. This has been wonderful. And a big thanks to Sarah for her time there. Fascinating to learn about Twinkies, uh, the Olympics, and that she doesn't like stuff. So um, there you go. Those last set of questions worked out very, very well. We'll get Channing Tatum to ask them next time around. But uh, by all means, a great chat there with Sarah and uh, follow her on TikTok. Maybe we'll get TikTok finally. If you want to see the video version of that interview, of course, too, as always, hit us up on YouTube. Search her off the podium. You can subscribe to us on there and never miss any of these video versions of these interviews. And uh, while you're on there subscribing to things, remember to hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search her off the podium. Follow us on there. Send us a message. We'd love to hear what you think of the show as well as who you'd like us to get on the show if there's anybody in particular you would like us to try and get on and while you're also online subscribe to the podcast on all the good podcast channels out there off the podium leave us some feedback and as i just said we'd love to hear what you think about the show uh stay tuned we've got some more great guests coming up our next guest at this rate sailing are you excited for sailing i'm excited for sailing will ryan uh, olympic gold and silver medalist from australia uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about the great sport of sailing a sport that we maybe haven't been too kind to in the past so uh cue up the parts of caribbean music and uh, we can get will to side us on board with sailing uh, so that is coming your way on our next episode my name is ben this has been off the podium what are we talking about last time with Colin? Oh, Pole Vault. Special shout out to Pole Vault and Bobsled, our two favourite listeners, and Jason Mbawa. He's a good guy as well. Uh, but until next time, listen off the podium more, just because I say that way. Oh, award-winning show. I haven't mentioned that all episode. There you go. Award-winning off the podium. And until next time, go left. Go left.